do. I want to take a moment to thank everybody that has a part uh, in the service today, uh, to our musicians, to our sound, to our media. Uh, and let me not forget uh, for our ushers who work extremely hard as well to make sure that uh, there's order in the service. And so uh, for everybody that has a part to play in the service, can we on the count of three say thank you nice and loud and give them a big clap off of the praise. One, two, three. Come on, let's give them a big clap off of the praise. We appreciate all of them for their work. Now, we got, uh, today is first uh, Sunday, so we do right hand of fellowship. We have a new family member that we want to recognize. If Sister Janita Averett is in the building, would you stand, Sister Averett? If not, I know she might, there's Sister Averett back over there in the back. Come on, let's welcome her to our Ivy family. She has gone through the process, and so she is officially a cousin's in them. If y'all are near her, y'all lean over to her and say, what up, cuz? Yeah, we welcome to have her with us in Jesus' name. We thank God for uh, our newest family member. Then also in February, you know, first Sunday, we celebrate anniversary. So if you are celebrating a wedding anniversary in the month of February, would you please stand? Would you please stand? I want to recognize those celebrating a wedding anniversary in February. Amen. Now, the Dobies, I need y'all to come on up here. Come on up here. Dobies, I need y'all to come on. Come on up here. I need y'all to come up on the stage. I need, I need the people to see what God has done uh, in the Dobie family. In the Dobie family. Yeah, in the Dobie family. So guess what, y'all? Um, today, today, the Dobies are celebrating 57 years. Fifty-seven. Ain't that a blessing? You keep playing that, Devon. Do you know? Now, let me say. So, got your good bow tie on today, too, Dick. I see you, boy. You're looking good. You want to say anything to, every, to, to? I'm gonna give you the mic for just a minute. You want to say something? Fifty-seven years is a lot to celebrate. Good morning, church. I would just like to say uh, thank you to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who made all this possible. But I want to tell you a quick little love story. I uh, met Barbara when I was in the seventh grade. I didn't know her the first time I had ever seen her. I looked at her and I said, I like that little girl right there. I pointed to her. Did not know that that like was going to turn to love. And Barbara, I want to thank you for your love, that you have shown love is an action word, and you have truly shown your love throughout our marriage. I also want to thank you for how you cared for our family, and you cared for my parents, and your parents, and others. That's that caring heart that you have. I did not know that when I saw you the first time, you were so beautiful. I did not know that you was as beautiful on the inside as you are on the outside. I just pray God will continue to bless us, continue to keep us, and continue to give us many more years together as one. I love you, and God bless you. Thank you. Come on, let's give him another clap on the praise. Y'all can. You go ahead and take your seat, sir. Thank you. Man, the way they were looking at each other, they need to go home. Just keep on walking right on out the door. <laughs> For those who are celebrating wedding anniversaries, we want to pray the hand of blessing over you. So, Father, thank you. Uh, for these couples that are celebrating these wedding anniversaries in the month of February. We pray, God, that you continue to strengthen their union. God, that your hand of blessing and favor will be upon them 
and that Lord, if it's your will, they can make it this time again next year. So we thank you for it again, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. We thank God for them. Real quick, again, it's been announced, but uh, join me at 2 o'clock uh, today at Liberty Live or Liberty Baptist Church on Big Bethel Road in Hampton. There's a community prayer vigil that's going to be happening. Uh, there'll be target areas of prayer. I will be leading the prayer on gun violence in our community. So I'm asking you to join me at 2 o'clock uh, for that at Liberty Live. And then also don't forget Bible study is back. Uh, we started this past Wednesday. It's been a blessing. It's called um, stretching our faith beyond our comfort zone. You know, that step beyond. I know many of us are comfortable in a certain area of faith. How do we stretch it beyond our comfort zone? It is available online and in person. So we had a great time this past Wednesday. It's a three-week series. So this Wednesday is part two. Next week is part three, and that'll be it. And then we start on Ash Wednesday, the last Wednesday of this month, in our 40-day consecration. So we'll give you more information about that. This is the first Sunday in the month of February. We know it's Black History Month. And so we do have a video uh, for Black History that we would like uh, to share with you at this time. To some, it's just a house, but to others, it's a place that has come to represent hope, determination, and a proud part of the history of the East End of Newport News. But beyond the physical appearance of this 1899 two-and-a-half-story Queen Anne-style home is the man for whom the house is named, a man who came from nothing and truly made his life into something. Joseph Thomas Newsom was born in Sussex County, Virginia on June 2, 1869. He was the sixth of seven children born to Joseph and Martha Ann Newsom, former slaves who lived on Princeton Plantation. Unlike most African Americans at the time, J.T. Newsom began his journey to success thanks to his interest in education, as he excelled early on at a church school and later on at Virginia Normal and Collegiate Institute at Petersburg in 1891, where he pursued a career as a teacher, but soon discovered his real calling in law and politics. So much so that he went on to law school at Howard University in Washington, D.C and graduated as class valedictorian in May of 1898. On December 27, 1899, Newsom married his college sweetheart, Mary B. Winfield. And after spending a short time living in Phoebus and along 30th Street in Newport News, they had a daughter, Maurice, and purchased the home at 2803 Oak Avenue and remodeled it as an elegant Queen Anne-style home. And with family life going well, J.T. Newsom began to focus on his career as one of the most prominent black lawyers on the Virginia Peninsula tirelessly working and blazing new trails in the realm of law. So much so that in 1913, he became the first black approved to argue cases before the Supreme Court of Appeals of Virginia. And as his remarkable 40-year career in the courtroom continued, he became quite a force within the community as the editor of his weekly black newspaper, the Newport News Star, helping to establish the Warwick County Colored Voters League and leading a campaign to construct a permanent Huntington High School for African-American youth. And through his many successes in education, law, and even politics, J.T. Newsom led the fight against the many social injustices for African Americans in the community and throughout southeastern Virginia until his death on March 8, 1942. But not even death could darken the spirit and the impact that J.T. Newsom had on this community, from having a World War II housing project known as Newsom Park and an elementary school named in his honor to the forethought of his former neighbors, the late Cornelius and Carrie Brown, who led a campaign to preserve the Newsom's Oak Avenue home so that it could serve as a cultural center for future generations and stand as a testament to Mr. Newsom's self-determined spirit and his commitment to bring change to his community. And after plenty of renovations, support from the community, and the city of Newport News, the Newsom House Museum and Cultural Center was dedicated in February of 1991 and to this day continues to serve as an eye-opening and intimate look into the incredible life of Joseph Thomas Newsom, a man who went about doing good for his community, fellow man in the city of Newport News. Amen. And that Newsom house is right down the street from here. 
And so if you haven't had an opportunity, you can go check that out. And, you know, we want to do black history and, and do features and segments that, you know, most people do the Martins and, and all of the great figures. But there's a lot of history right here in our church, a lot of history right here in our community. So we're going to be featuring that over the course of this month. And so, again, thank you all. Now that you know a little bit more about Southeast Newport News as well. All right, y'all. Let's all stand, please. Let's all stand. Been sitting for a little while, you know. February is also the love month. But let's take some time to show some love to the people that are near us. Go ahead and share some love with the people next to you. Amen. If you're online, make sure you tell somebody online that you love them as well. Remain standing, please. Twenty more seconds. Twenty more seconds. Remain standing for me, please. Ten. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Turn in your Bible, please, to Matthew chapter five. Also, keep a tab on Psalm thirty-seven. Matthew chapter five is the main course side dishes Psalm 37 Revelation 21 Matthew 5 verse 1 NIV now when Jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples came to him and he began to teach them he said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's good enough. You may be seated. Title of today's sermon is The Best of Both Worlds. The Best of Both Worlds. Father, if you would now please let the words of my mouth and even the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, God. You are my strength and my redeemer. Let all of God's people say, Amen. As a quick review, our theme for this year is kingdom over culture. There's a lot of culture that we see in our world and all kinds of places, but does that culture reflect the kingdom of God? In most cases, the answer is no. So therefore, we as citizens of the kingdom must reflect God's will on the earth. That is our particular assignment. That's why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, you shall pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our theme for the year is uh, kingdom over culture. Our scripture verse is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and everything else will be given to you as well. What we see already is that in our society, we are brought up and trained to believe that we are to chase the things. And things are important. But when we come to God, God said, you got to flip that order. You chase me. And if you chase me first, I'll make sure you have everything that you need. That's different from how we were raised in the culture. In the culture, it is you go to school and you learn and you work hard and you make something of your life, which you should. But oftentimes what we do in that case is that we put God in the back when our first plan doesn't work out. In the kingdom, he says, no, you chase me first. And when you chase me first, I'll make sure that you get everything that you need. So what then is a kingdom? A kingdom, again, is a place or an area that is ruled and dominated by a king. And understand that a king has complete authority. There's no Supreme Court. There's no appeal. Whatever the king speaks, that's what it is. So we see in the very first verse of the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God created two kingdoms in that one verse. He created the spiritual realm, the heavens, and then he created the earthly realm, which is the earth. And God rules both of them, but he rules them differently. So then what is a culture? A culture then is the behaviors, the attitudes, the norms of a particular group. And when we say group, this could be your family, this could be your friends, this could be at work. Every area where there's a group of people, any organization that has a group of people has a set of culture, even in the church. But what happens in the church when the culture of the church ain't kingdom? And that happens sometimes in the house of God. So we got to make sure that if we're doing God and doing God's work that we got to make sure it is kingdom focused and not simply based on traditions, culture, rituals, culture, customs, culture. Is it based on kingdom? So this series that we're in, in Matthew chapter 5, is called the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus's most extensive sermon that he's listed in the Bible that Matthew lists. It is three chapters long. And in this series, in this sermon, Jesus is explaining the difference between kingdom over culture. And he opens up his sermon. It says in verse 1, we read that he saw the multitudes, that they were coming to him. And so they saw him. He saw the multitudes and he sat down, the Bible says, and he taught his disciples and those who were listening. And he starts off with a series called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are a series of blessings that's what Beatitudes means, supreme blessings. How many of y'all want to be blessed? How many of y'all want to be blessed? Y'all think everybody wants to be blessed, right? So Jesus says, here it is. If you want to be blessed in the kingdom, here is where you start. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12 lists a series of Beatitudes. Now, before I get started, I need you to remember that the Beatitudes play off of one another. So think of a ladder or think of a set of steps. You don't get to the top without taking the first step. So you can't get to the second beatitude without making sure you get through the first one. And you can't get to the third one, which we're going to cover today, unless you got through the first two. Y'all with me? So it's a step series. You got to walk them up. So here is where it all starts with Jesus. Matthew 5 and 3. Jesus said, blessed, happy, supremely blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy are those. Supremely blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Now, again, it doesn't seem right that we're equating blessings and poverty in the same sentence. But he didn't say poor financially. He said poor in spirit. And the spirit S is little, which indicates it's not the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of man. In other words, blessed are those people who come to the conclusion that I can't do my life without God. Blessed and happy are those who finally come to terms that whatever God has assigned for my life, I cannot do it by myself. I need the Holy Spirit to help me and to guide me and to lead me into what God wants me to do. Blessed are those who finally come to the conclusion 
that it ain't going to be my money. It ain't going to be my stuff. It ain't going to be the stuff that defines me. I need God. And when I surrender myself to him, I become poor in spirit. When I get to the place where I realize, God, I take my hand off and you go ahead and take it and you do as you please with me because I know your will is better than my will. That's when God can be pleased. And notice what he says in the verse, blessed are the poor in spirit. When you get to that place of your life, when you tried everything else and you realize ain't nothing going to work but God. And you finally get to that place where you say, God, I'm tired. I give it to you. I want you to do it. God says, then I will give you the kingdom. <laughs> And see, the reason why we don't get excited about the kingdom is because we don't know what's in the kingdom. So let me help you understand. All your spirit blessings are in the kingdom. In other words, it ain't the stuff that's in the kingdom. It's the peace. It's the joy. Ah, so now whatever I'm going through, when I recognize I can't do it on my own and he gives me the kingdom, I give you peace of mind while you can walk through that situation. So guess what, y'all? It all starts there. I don't care how many times or how long you've been to church. I don't care what ministry you're in. If you don't get to this first point, you can't get to the rest. It all starts with me coming to terms with myself. I'm not big enough. I'm not smart enough. I ain't got enough money. I can't heal myself. I can't deliver my family. There are certain things I can't do and I need God's help. Hmm. When I get to that place, he says, I'll give you the kingdom. From there, we get to the next one, which is Matthew 5 and 4, which says, blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Again, we don't associate blessings with mourning. Why would we put blessing and grieving together? Does it make sense until you understand that it builds off of the first beatitude? So guess what? When I realize that I need to be poor in spirit, my response should now be to mourn. Watch this, y'all. I should mourn over the fact that for so much of my life, I tried to do it without God. And what is the opposite of when I try to do it without God? That is sin. Because sin says, I know what's best for me. And sin says, I don't need God. That's called pride. And when I look back over my life, truth be told, some of us too, how many of us can look back and say, man, there was so many times I told God, I got this. And what I ended up doing was making it worse. I made a mess of that situation. Why? Because I figured I could fix it. I figured I could do it. I figured I could make this thing work. And so the response ought to be when we realize how much time and money and situations that we have wasted trying to do it without God, it ought to cause our hearts to be broken. And it should cause us as we look at our families that are dysfunctional. We know the reason why. Sin. When we see a six-year-old Sin. When we see five black officers, sin. When we see oppression, sin. And the response to sin should cause us to be brokenhearted. Sadly, for many of us, sin doesn't prick us anymore. Because the culture is so sin-filled and we are so exposed to it and inundated with it so much that we become numb to it. Jesus said, blessed are they who mourn because they, you can see people now trying to do it without God. And you know it ain't going to work. But he says, if you mourn, you shall be comforted. Which means the comfort is, is that when we mourn the fact that we have tried to do it without him, he doesn't leave us alone. The comfort is he'll still come to us and give us another chance and walk with us and talk with us. Aren't you glad about that? 
Aren't you glad that God didn't step back permanently and say, you know what, you go ahead and take it by yourself, I'm good. But the moment we realized the reaction of what we did, he stepped in. That's the comfort that comes in. And so now we get to the third one. You can't get to the, th the third one without recognizing who you are and what you're capable of. That's the first one. And then your response ought to be, man, I'm broken by what I see. In my own life, in my family's life, in my community's life, in the church's life, sin is doing damage. All the way around. Then Jesus gets to the third one. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Man, there's so much there. Happy, fortunate are those who are meek. Well, first of all, we got to define what does it mean to be meek. The Greek word for meek here is praeis, P-R-A-E-I-S. And it means to be gentle, humble, and submissive. Now, hold on. That goes against everything in our culture. Because everything in our culture is you got to be angry, arrogant, or you oppress people. How can a gentle person survive in the culture that is the opposite of that? Well, when you try to be gentle to people, sometimes people take your kindness for weakness. <laughs> huh. I don't know about that, Jesus. It's hard being gentle out here with, with these folks. <laughs> Jesus, you seen these streets out here? It's hard. Being gentle to people. Gentle, humble, and submissive. And I know when I said that last word, I think we already know what gentle means and, and, and humble, but that submissive word, I know some women cringe when they heard that word right there. So let me, let me teach real quick on submission because most of what we have defined submission to be came from the culture. See, y'all believe submission is coming to America. Hop on one leg and bark like a dog. <laughs> Whatever you like. That ain't submission. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, be submissive to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Submission right there is a military term, ladies and gentlemen. It means alignment. It means that I am not less than somebody. It does not mean that I am inferior to you. It means that in order for us to work together, to worship together, to do things and move forward, I got to align myself with you. Because if I'm not aligning myself with you, then we're going to be fighting for power. And if I'm not aligning myself with you, we're going to be fighting for control. So it says, why well, submit to your own husbands so that we can be working together and not fighting against each other. But this is what we miss, Lady Swan. The very verse before that is Ephesians 5.21, where it says that all believers are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Which means that before anybody gets married, as a believer, one believer to another, there ought to be mutual alignment with each other. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what meekness is. It is that when two believers come together, I ain't trying to dominate you, you ain't trying to dominate me, we're trying to roll together and stomp the devil on his head. We ain't trying to get caught up in who can pray better, who can sing better, who got more gifts. I'm just happy to be with you and you happy to be with me, so we're going to align ourselves and where two or three are gathered together in his name, the Bible says there he is in the midst. So I will ask you this, um, since I'm here, uh, uh, wives or future wives, if you don't see meekness in the boo, 
When verse 21 says you're already supposed to be meek and show alignment to everybody, then why are you going to get in the car with them? So you liked him because he had a good insurance policy. He got to be the one. But then at any point before you said yes, did he demonstrate a willingness to show meekness? Or is he still living by the culture of arrogance, being angry, and oppressing? So gentleness is the order of meekness. And this is not something that um, in the culture is celebrated. But since I'm here on that, let me just say this. You can be gentle and keep a standard too. Can we have some real talk? I ain't got to cuss you out. I ain't got to raise my voice. But I can still let you know, this is as far as you're going to go with me today. Do I have some saints in the house that can be nice nasty? You understand that I can be nice to you, but this is as far as you're going to get with me. And if you go any further, I'm going to start calling down angels against this demon I'm dealing with right in front of me. Meekness does not mean that you are weak. It doesn't mean that you can be stomped over. You ain't no doormat. You are a child of the king. And what that means is I can be nice to you. I can be gentle to you. I can love on you, but you ain't going to treat me any kind of way either. I need some believers that's going to stand on that right there. I'm going to go out here and love my coworker. I'm going to love my family member. I'm going to love my neighbor. But you ain't going to talk to me any kind of way. You ain't going to call me out my name. You ain't going to treat me any kind of way. Because I'm still a child of the king. Hey. So I can love you. But I still got the spirit of Grandmaster Flash in me. Don't push me. Because I'm close. I came to church today. Why? Because I'm trying not to. Little y'all know the song. I think y'all know where I'm going. It's still in me. It's still in me. Oh, God, it's still in me. One wrong move. One wrong move. Help me, Lord. That's why the boss, you be, they be talking to you, you don't even respond. They don't even know what you do. I'm praying right now because, Lord, I need this job. I got kids at home. I got to go. I got to can't tell my boo I ain't got no job today. Lord, keep me meek right now, Lord. Woo. But here it is, y'all. Y'all ready for this? this? This is the best part, y'all. This is the best part. So blessed and happy are those who realize that they need God. That's the first one, right? Then blessed are those who recognize the sinful ways that have wreaked havoc in our life. That's the morning, right? And then you get to the next one. Now, the first two are individual, right? The first two are individual. This is how I need to see myself. This is how I need to see sin. But this one is in how we now live after the result of the first two. Because the first one is, again, I see myself, I need God. Got that. Second one is I'm broken because of the sin and me trying to do it without God all these years and I keep messing up. Got that. Now, this one is the Holy Spirit at work. Because once I realize how harsh I've been, now, God, I need you to change me. To not be that way anymore. Blessed are those who are meek. I'm not gentle with just me. I got to be gentle with you. And last I checked, isn't gentleness one of the fruit of the Spirit? So the evidence that you really saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, is in how, you ready for this? 
you treat people. If you're still nasty, if you're still harsh, if you're still abrasive, and you still saying, well, that's just how I am. You need some more oil slapped on your forehead because God ain't through with you yet. <laughs> Blessed are those who recognize who they were. They're broken over who they were. And now God is working on me. And now I don't treat you like I used to treat you. <laughs> Blessed are those who have come to terms with the fact that other people look just like I did before I got saved. So I got to be careful how I treat them because I remember how I used to be. <laughs> Blessed are the meek. Here's the best part, Minister Underwood. You ready? For they will inherit the earth. I told you, y'all got to read the Bible slow. For they will, will denotes a future tense that has not happened yet, which means it's coming. They will inherit. I like that word. Y'all missed your shout. You see, when you inherit something, that means that somebody thought enough of you to bless you with something and watch this, it ain't had nothing to do with you. When you inherit something, it was out of the goodwill of the person who decided to give you whatever it is. Which means that if you inherit something, usually what you are inheriting means it has value. And if it has value, that makes you an heir. Ladies, this is why we got two people clapping. Because they don't realize the inheritance that God has given you ain't stuff. Woo! The inheritance that God wants to give you are things in the spirit realm that'll make your life better here. Lord, have mercy. I think I got a couple of people that get it. Watch this. Um, for those who are gentle, humble, and submissive, for those who live their life in a way now recognizing that there are a lot of pain, hurtful people out here, and people going through all kinds of situations, and my response to them isn't to be harsh, but to be gentle with them because I know where I was at one point in my life when I was out there too. He says, you will inherit. I got something coming to me. Huh. But what's interesting, though, is that he, he didn't say you're going to inherit riches. You're not going to inherit favor. No, he said you're going to inherit the earth. And this is where we get messed up. Because Jesus, we're looking at the earth right now. And there's chaos out here. I don't want that. <laughs> Jesus, there's confusion out here. I don't want that. So God, why would you tell us we're going to inherit the earth when the earth is corrupted? That don't make sense until you discover that Jesus wasn't speaking of the earth from how we see it. He's speaking of the earth by how he sees it. Y'all turn with me real quick to Psalm 37. When I saw this minister underwood, I I had to get up out my seat um, because here is what David said uh, even before Jesus said it. And I got to believe that when David said this uh, in verses 10 and 11, Jesus had this in mind when he spoke of uh, the beatitude here. Watch this. It says uh, Psalm 37 and 10, and a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land. And here's the best part. And they will enjoy peace and prosperity. Lord have mercy. I think y'all got it now. Jesus was thinking of an earth 
that ain't got corrupted people in it, that don't have sinful people in it, that don't have people shooting and killing people in it. Jesus saw the earth as a place where there was peace. And isn't that what we want more than anything else? Lord, at the end of the day, can I just go home and not have to deal with nothing crazy? Can I just go home and have dinner in peace, watch the TV in peace, go to sleep in peace, and not have to worry about anything that's going on? But not only did he promise peace, but he promised prosperity. I need some people that understand that prosperity ain't always what's money in your pocket. But prosperity is, I got a roof over my head. I got food on my table. I got clothes on my back. I got the spirit of God rocking with me. I look for the earth to be just like this. He said, you keep being humble. You keep treating people right. And I promise you, if you do it, I'm going to give you a space where you ain't going to have to deal with drama no more. You ain't got to deal with crazy cousins no more. You ain't got to deal with corrupt systems no more. You don't have to deal with money situations no more. You keep treating people right. I'll make sure that you get to a place where when you talk to people, they mean you're good and they ain't trying to backstab you. They, they want the best for you and you want the best for them. Don't you want this kind of place? Mm. The last thing I got to tell y'all is I got to mess with y'all for a minute. Just give me one minute theologically to mess with you. Revelation 21 and 1. Can you put it on the screen for me, please? They can see it. Three times in the Bible, this is mentioned. Isaiah 65, 2 Peter 3, and Revelation 21 and 1. John is describing what he sees. Watch this, y'all. He says, um, then I saw, this is after the tribulation period. This is after the enemy um, has been bound for a thousand years, all of that. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new what? For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. Now, y'all help me understand. If we all go into heaven, why does there need to be a new earth? If heaven is our final resting place, why did he see a new earth? Let me help you all understand. Revelation is where God resets what happened in Genesis 1 and 2. So what happened in Genesis 1 and 2? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He put man on the earth. He said, you're going to run the earth. I'm going to run heaven. You can't run the earth without me. I'm going to run heaven. You run the earth. That was the assignment by the king. Once the king makes a decree, can the king change his mind? Of course he can, but that was the original decree. I am going to make mankind to lead the earth. So y'all help me then. Why is there a new earth? If it's just heaven. May I submit to you that this new earth that John is describing may or may not be a physical earth, but what he's also describing is a new reality. The new reality is that when we are meek, God is promising us a place where as John described in Revelation, where the lion and lamb can lay together. A place where there's peace. 
and a place where there's prosperity. Last I checked. Isn't that what Adam and Eve had in the garden before they messed up? <laughs> so, Pastor, what about John 14? In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Could it be that the souls of those who have gone on are in the, in the mansions until God until Christ comes back when you read Revelation. Because y'all realize that when Christ comes back, we're coming with him. Y'all skipped over that chapter? You do realize that scriptures say that Christ and us will judge the world upon his return. You skip that chapter. And the angels that have fallen. Why are we doing this? Because God is saying, when you come to me and you recognize you can't do it without me, I give you spirit access. And then when you're gentle to other people, I give you earthly reign. I'm giving you spirit and I'm giving you earth. I'm giving you this in the, in the spirit realm that you can't see and I'm giving you the ability to dominate and to rule what you can see. When you come to me, I'm giving you the best of both worlds. That which you can't see, you can tap in now because you recognize you can't do it without me. Don't chase peace out there. Don't chase joy out there. You ain't going to find it. You're going to find it in the spirit realm when you tap into me. And then once you get it in the spirit realm, now I take that and I put it in the earthly realm. So what you see in me is a reflection of what you can't see. So it starts with God. I can't do it by myself. I need you. Because if you ain't with me, I can't get it done. He opens the door to the spirit. God, I'm brokenhearted because of sin and what sin is doing because sin disconnects us from you. And we can't do this without you. I'm going to comfort you. And as a result of that, now I realize I got to do better at how I treat people. Because you realize a lot of people are hurting. We had to have a pop-up prayer night, and I thank all of you who came. You know why? Because the Lord put on my heart, Holy Spirit put on my heart, there are a lot of us who are hurting. And when people are hurting, they don't need other people to be nasty and rude and harsh. They need some people gentle. And do we not understand that every week, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, people come in here smiling, inside, crushed, look good, so you can't see what I'm really feeling. Every Sunday, there are people who come in here hurting, broken, ashamed, feeling guilt. They don't need your nastiness. Sometimes what they need is for you not to say anything. Just wrap your arm around them and just hug them and just simply whisper in their ear, I don't know what it is, but I'm praying for you. You ain't got to quote no scriptures. You ain't got to say, and the Lord said, no, all you got to do. I got you. 
That's what it means to be me. We're ending right here. Everybody stand. There are some people that you may know. Minister Underwood, come on up. I know. There's some people here that's been dealing with some difficult seasons of their life. I need you to ask the person next to you, are you good? Are you good? If the season that they're in right now is not good, I need you to bring them, bring them to the front. Bring them to the front. Nobody should be by themselves. Somebody need to be with Sister Burke right here. Come on. This is what it means to be meek. You see, because out there in the culture, we can't, we got to be strong all the time. We can't pretend like we got stuff going on. And that's the reason why a lot of people are having violence in the community because we got so much stuff bottled up inside, we don't know where to lay it. So people are exploding, they're doing all kinds of stuff. Why? Because they just need somebody sometime just to come right beside them and say, I got you, man. Y'all step closer, please. You got some folk behind you. Nobody up here should not have somebody with them. Church should be the place where I can come and lay it down and not feel judged about it. Church should be the place if I got to shed a tear, I can shed it. And I got some folk that's with me saying, I'm going to be right here till you finish. That's what it means to be meek. Jesus said, if you're that concerned about your brother or sister, I'll give you a new heaven and a new earth. Where there's peace, where there's prosperity. Pray for the person that you brought up here, please. If you're by yourself, pray for the person that's next to you. People who are hurting. Been a hard week, a hard year already. Father, in the name of Jesus, I intercede for these that are standing before me. Those who are watching online. Father, we recognize that there's so much hurt and pain that exists. And that when people come to your house, they don't need nastiness. They don't need abrasive people. They need some meek people. So give us that kind of spirit, God. I know the world has made us calloused and, and hard. Because people want to take advantage of you out there in the world. But in your house, God, give us that that sense of wanting to look after somebody else I intercede right now for my brother or my sister whose hand I'm connected with God if you don't do it for anybody else this week do it for them in the name of Jesus speak to the hurt areas of their life bring healing to those areas in the name of Jesus use us as instruments God to be gentle with them. That's what you're calling us to do. Hmm. Come on, y'all pray for them. I thank you for every person that is in this room. I thank you for every person that's watching. Even those who might not be up front, that doesn't mean that there aren't challenges and experiences that they're going through. Lord, I intercede for our Ivy family. Let us be a congregation of meek people. Sensitive to the needs of others. Gentle in our responses. Humble in what we do. If it's anything that's happened, it's because you did it, God. Submitting ourselves to one another. Aligning ourselves in your word and will.
You promised that if we did that, you will give us a new earth. A place where there's peace and prosperity. I pray, I pray the peace of God upon every person that's at this altar. The peace in their mind. The peace in their soul. No matter what the storm is raging in their life. Jesus, you got up out that boat and said three words. Peace be still. That's what we pray for right now, God. Whatever's raging in their life. I bind it up that storm in the name of Jesus, God. Let them sleep good tonight. Let them be at rest in their soul. We thank you, God, for the peace that you're going to give because you promised that to us if we are gentle toward one another. And then you also promised us prosperity. Prosperity isn't just having more money. Prosperity is abundance of spiritual blessings. Thank you for the abundance of grace, the abundance of mercy, the abundance of love. So Lord, thank you for this time today. As we leave, let us not rush out, but let us be gentle. Lord, we recognize that this week there's going to be somebody that's going to try us. They're going to test our gentleness. But Lord, in that moment, remind us that our inheritance is on the line. They aren't worth it. There's anybody here that desires salvation? Is anybody here that desires membership to our family? If you're watching online, type that in the chat. Salvation or membership, somebody's standing by. For those in the room, we'll be here after service is over. The intercessors are up here praying. If you need additional prayer, the intercessors are standing by to continue to pray with you. Take as long as you need. Now, God, may your grace, your peace and your power keep and sustain us all in Jesus name Amen love you all in Jesus name be gentle this week have a great day Join the Hampton Roads community for a prayer vigil at Liberty Live Church in Hampton today at 2 p.m.
Women of Ivy, join us on site Monday, February 13th at 6 p.m. for our first fellowship of the year. It will be dinner, dialogue, and a movie. Email your RSVP to w2w at ivybaptistchurch.org by tomorrow, February 6th. Parents and youth, free tutoring is available by appointment. Email christianed at ivybaptistchurch.org for more information. One thing that's true about Ivy is that we don't just love God, but we also love God's people and our community. We have started an initiative called Operation Bless the Community. And since we started it, we have raised almost $150,000. And all of the resources are going right back out into our community so our community and our families can be better. We're gonna do it again this year. We want your support. Any donation of any amount that goes to Operation Bless the Community will go out into the communities that we serve to make our place better for everyone. We want everybody to win around here. So please, why don't you consider giving a donation to Operation Bless the Community. Any size, any amount, all of it will go toward blessing our community and helping those in need. We appreciate in advance your support. Men, come out to Prostate Cancer Early Detection event held on Saturday, February 11th from 9 to 12 here at Ivy. Call 1-800-520-7006 to register. Bow Keepers is hosting a Valentine's Masquerade Ball on Saturday, February 18th from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Semi-formal event at Spring Hill Suites in Hampton. Cost per couple is $75 until February 12th. Ticket includes plated dinner, entertainment, and prizes. Bring your dancing shoes to have a night of fun. Contact Val Keepers at ivybaptistchurch.org for more information. Save the date, Saturday, February 25th, for our annual Black History Breakfast and Play. The theme this year is Making Black History, Taking It to the Streets. Tickets are $15 and will go on sale today, on site and online. Join the Hampton Roads community for a prayer vigil at Liberty Live Church in Hampton today at 2 p.m. Women of Ivy, join us on site Monday, February 13th at 6 p.m. for our first fellowship of the year. It will be dinner, dialogue and a movie. Email your RSVP to w2w at ivybaptistchurch.org by tomorrow, February 6th. Parents and youth, free tutoring is available by appointment. Email christianed at ivybaptistchurch.org for more information.
One thing that's true about Ivy is that we don't just love God, but we also love God's people and our community. We have started an initiative called Operation Bless the Community. And since we started it, we have raised almost $150,000. And all of the resources are going right back out into our community so our community and our families can be better. We're going to do it again this year. We want your support. Any donation of any amount that goes to Operation Bless the Community will go out into the communities that we serve to make our place better for everyone. We want everybody to win around here. So please, why don't you consider giving a donation to Operation Bless the Community? Any size, any amount, all of it will go toward blessing our community and helping those in need. We appreciate in advance your support. Men come out to Prostate Cancer Early Detection event held on Saturday, February 11th from 9 to 12 here at Ivy. Call 1-800-520-7006 to register. Bowkeepers is hosting a Valentine's Masquerade Ball on Saturday, February 18th from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Semi-formal event at Spring Hill Suites in Hampton. Cost per couple is $75 until February 12th. Ticket includes plated dinner, entertainment, and prizes. Bring your dancing shoes to have a night of fun. Contact Valkeepers at ivybaptistchurch.org for more information. Save the date, Saturday, February 25th, for our annual Black History Breakfast and Play. The theme this year is Making Black History, Taking It to the Streets. Tickets are $15 and will go on sale today, on site and online. Join the Hampton Roads community for a prayer vigil at Liberty Live Church in Hampton today at 2 p.m. Women of Ivy, join us on site Monday, February 13th at 6 p.m. for our first fellowship of the year. It will be dinner, dialogue and a movie. Email your RSVP to w2w at ivybaptistchurch.org by tomorrow, February 6. Parents and youth, free tutoring is available by appointment. Email christianed at ivybaptistchurch.org for more information. One thing that's true about Ivy is that we don't just love God, but we also love God's people and our community. We have started an initiative called Operation Bless the Community. And since we started it, we have raised almost $150,000 and all of the resources are going right back out into our community so our community and our families can be better. We're gonna do